0: Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks community. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out,
2: no matter how hard it rains.
1: Welcome to the 241st episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser, at Blogger on Twitter. Yes, I am still one of the people that is still on Twitter. And you can find me there. Uh, you can also find us at HawkBlogger.com. We've got tons of great content uh, every week. Well, maybe not tons, but we've got great content. And of course... You can find us at patreon.com/slash hawk blogger, or you can sign up right now, get instant access to the Slack channel, and talk with everybody. Because, frankly, that is where the conversation has moved, as far as I'm concerned. Like, everybody is on Real Hawk Talk Slack, hundreds of folks. Uh, Nathan has pretty much given up on Twitter, he has moved to Real Hawk Talk Slack. We've got Evan over there occasionally. We'll eventually get Jeff there. Dana's there every day. I certainly have found myself there more often. Great conversation about the Seahawks, a little bit about the Mariners. We've got a Mariners channel, other stuff. So head on over. Now's the time to do it. And we will be taking questions uh, this week. We had actually a bunch of great questions from the Patreon chat. So uh, we will get into that shortly. But before we do... Folks, there have been a lot of questions about this next co-host I'm going to introduce, and and there were questions before he kind of disappeared, and then there were just questions after he disappeared. Like there were questions about his sanity beforehand, and and all sorts of other things. People thought he died. People thought you know they wanted to know what happened to Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. Not much of a point to knowing that anymore since he's not on Twitter but uh evan dude stop sending me pics of your legs I <laughs> to see that anymore
3: wait what are you talking about do i send you photos of that stuff
1: dude Uh-oh. you know you sent. you said jeff and i have like visual evidence Don't make oh me pull
3: it i did you're right you're right <laughs> no i forgot about that um no man i've been good it's good to see you guys um just you know taking a break from uh the twitter world but uh You know, still following the Seahawks, still following the NFL. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, you know, just spending a lot of time with family, loved ones, all that sort of stuff, Uh, eating healthy, exercising, all that stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm alive. I'm not a monk. Um, Hopefully my camera figures itself out, but uh, it's good to see you both. I, I missed your faces, to be quite honest.
1: Yeah, that is not something that Jeff and I hear very often, but it's very kind of you. And uh, we we missed your face as well, uh, your cherubic cheeks, dude. You you've like you've really been so you've been pumping the iron. I, I I know it.
3: I appreciate it, but I also just got out of hot yoga, so my body's still like trying to come down from 105 temperature. So
1: yeah, I'm gonna love watching your uh, you know, OCD self try to figure out how you con out of focus just as we started the show. It's it, so I'm annoying, sure driving you crazy right now.
3: Was it not perfect, like for the 15 minutes beforehand?
1: Well, you know, perfect's a strong description, but oh, it was definitely my... more clear than it is now. Oh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the other, the other coach we have for tonight normally is in Canada, and he would be freezing his little tail off right now. But he is not in Canada. He's wearing short sleeves and. He is in Florida, baking in eighty degree weather. He is real Jeff Simmons on Twitter at real Jeff Simmons. He occasionally is still there, so we party there from time to time. How are you, Jeff? Thanks for joining on your uh, your trip south. I'm all right, man. Uh,
2: I don't. I'm like Evan. I I don't understand why anyone would want to take a break from Twitter, take a break from the Seahawks season. So it's nice to see everyone again. Uh, it's oh no, we got some good questions already. Dude,
3: but that's a hundred dollar donation that's crazy yeah wow. sorry i mean i didn't mean i was this is meant I, to be I put up that while that you're finishing those. your
1: stuff but this is michael mathis uh unbelievable uh contribution and super chat 100 bucks technically 99.99 you know uh, i appreciate it uh and his message is uh merry christmas to the hawk blogger crew and he missed evan uh he wants you to give his your most controversial food take for old time's sake. Seahawks pretty much have the top five pick in the bag. I doubt we make the Super Bowl, but if we win it, Evan has to do the crab rave again. So Evan, see you're back and look all already charity is benefiting. We've got a hundred bucks coming in. You missed it. We gave we gave forty thousand bucks to charity this year. It's now two hundred and forty thousand bucks through all the years at Real Hawk Talk. And hawk, and, and hawk we give it to a
3: did we give it to a new charity this year Fill me in we
1: did we gave it to Nami um National Association for Men- mental Mental inst- illness and uh, uh really really important cause and uh really happy to to spread the wealth so that's awesome can you as as a benefit to Michael here give your most controversial food take my what, most what would you-
3: controversial food take oh yeah. yeah uh this is aggressive but um there's a reason we only eat Thanksgiving. Maybe this isn't that controversial, actually, but I'm gonna go with it anyways. We, there's a reason we only eat Thanksgiving food like once a year. Ninety-five percent of thanks, seventy-five percent of Thanksgiving food is highly overrated. Turkey, ninety-nine percent of the time, it. not seasoned very well. Nobody's craving turkey throughout yeah. the year. Nobody, nobody leaves their house and is like, "Let's go have a let's go have a turkey meal at you know our high-end restaurant." Nobody does that. Okay. It's all about the sides and green bean casserole can die in a fiery pit of hell. That shit is garbage.
1: <laughs> I'm with you on the green bean casserole.
3: Fuck green bean casserole. Why do people still make that?
1: Dude, Thanksgiving is the best meal of the year. You are absolutely insane. And nobody seasons turkey because turkey is a vessel for all the other starches that you and and, and stuffing that you add into it. The best bite is combining the Sweet potatoes and the mashed potatoes sure. and the stuffing and the turkey and the cranberry sauce. Like,
3: but how many times do you do that a year, Brian?
1: Well, it makes there's it some special. subconscious
3: implications here, you know. If it, every if it was year, it's that I feel, good, you do it yeah. more.
1: Well, you know, your only supporting point here would be I think Boston Market is the closest to Thanksgiving food as a restaurant, and they uh they overexpanded, they, they didn't really. They didn't really take off. I would have gone there and eaten there more often when I wanted Thanksgiving food. Jeff, this is, you know, I don't know. You you don't really deal with the same Thanksgiving that we do. but uh, no, I'm jealous of your holiday.
2: Canadian Thanksgiving is fucking garbage.
1: (laughs) Uh, Mike (laughs) Mathis does
2: Thanksgiving off every year at work.
1: I would actually be interested in hearing more about Canadian Thanksgiving, but I think we'll save that to next year. You'll have to tell us when that is, and we will bring. No, that up. it's
2: it's basically the equivalent of the CFL, like the Canadian Football League. Like, we, no one wants to hear about this.
1: <laughs> uh, Michael Mathis does agree with your take, uh, so uh, Why? we will we we will we will uh, tolerate that because he gave such a a, a wonderful. Um, <laughs> donation um all right so guys i have so much to talk to you about we've got a lot of patron questions and i think we're going to get to those relatively quickly but can we start by just talking about how shitty the broncos played against the rams crazy that gave me so much life i was so in the dumps i was like we're gonna lose we're not even gonna get a top five pick if the if the if the um Broncos beat the Rams, the Rams are gonna they're gonna move like our pick would have been the seventh pick. It, it just like I was just like, we are gonna lose that. Our team's fallen off. The 49ers are gonna win the Super Bowl. It is like c- catastrophe, like the worst possible combination of things. And then that game. Holy shit. Jeff, I'm gonna start with you because I know you watched it. Uh what in God's name happened?
2: Man, I went into that game thinking I would have bet my house on the Broncos. Um, I didn't think there was a chance the Rams would win that game. And the Broncos just fell on their face in every possible way. Like Russ started the game with two, two picks in the first three drives. And one of them was right to Bobby where Bobby just read him. Exactly. And man, it was awesome. Like, I was watching the game with my dad and I was going bananas and my dad could not understand what the fuck was happening because it's like, why do you care about these two four win teams? It was probably the most excited I've gone during a game. Maybe since like the Seahawks playoff game years, a couple of years ago, like I was fired up. Like I there's the Broncos and started with Russ and then the defense falling apart against Baker Mayfield. Like I didn't fucking see that coming from a mile away. And, The shot plays that Tyler Higby and Cam Akers looked like like the best back in the league against them. It was bizarre. Like (laughs) there was no scenario where I saw any of that happening. And the Broncos got punked to the point where their coach got fired.
1: Yeah, I mean, Evan, (laughs) I I was. That is by far the best Seahawks news in weeks. Like, like not even close. And and like. My oldest, Isaac, and I were watching that game, and we watched the Nickelodeon coverage oh of it, which was me too man. hilarious. And and like Patrick Star was trolling Russell Wilson. It was so weird. And then the fact that you know, it gets fired, and then the guy that was so obviously clearly the guy to step in as interim coach, their defensive coordinator, says nah. Like I don't think I want to do that. And they have like some like ninety year old white guy, like who knows? Like I've never Jerry Rosberg or something like I've never heard of this guy is now the interim coach. What the hell is going on with the Broncos?
3: Baker is a coach killer. You talk about Russell Wilson being a coach killer. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is a head coach killer. He's killed two head coaches this year: uh, Matt Rule and then obviously Nathaniel Hackett. Um, i I, for some reason, had a very different gut feeling than you guys did going into that game. I don't know if you remember my text, but I felt confident that Baker uh that Broncos defense they've been so good for most of the year. it's 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 hard to have seen a reality where they were you know, putting up an a plus effort the entire season. They were gonna fold eventually. And you saw that happen. You saw skirmishes on the sideline between several Bron- Broncos players. You saw flare-ups. That team is in disarray. They're emotionally and mentally not there. The Bron- I mean, it, the Rams are not a good football team, obviously, in their current state. They suck shit, but they still kicked ass. And I, and to be quite honest with you, I don't think it's a reflection of like the Rams being good or anything like that. I think it's just a real reflection of how absolutely pitiful that Broncos situation is.
1: I mean the Rams have been really bad and yeah. and, and <clears throat> Cam Akers has been really bad and their offensive line has been really bad and they didn't get Aaron Donald back and Baker Mayfield hasn't been that good like his claim to fame was one drive uh you know in a game they scored I think like 17 points or something like it wasn't a lot and the Broncos were actually getting somewhat healthier. They got Randy Gregory back. They had Baron Browning back. Like, uh, you know, whatever. Like, they had Russell Wilson back after a couple of weeks. Russell looked, I mean, I don't know. Like, that was maybe his worst game of the year. Like, his first pick was just awful. His second pick was awful. His third pick was awful. And I'm like, legitimately, like you heard N- Nate Burleson, who is on the Nickelodeon broadcast, saying like they might need to make a quarterback change, not because of health. Like they're like, they might need to bring in Brett like this is Nickelodeon saying, like, it is so bad that we think Brett Ripon might need to come in because this is not safe for children anymore to watch what's going on. On the screen. It's crazy.
3: I have Russell no idea what Wilson to
1: say. playing the way he played this year. Is as wild. As when the Seahawks defense was the number one defense in the NFL for four weeks. Those two things are roughly equivalent.
3: I don't even know what to say. They need to shut <laughs> Russell down. They really need to. He he's uh, completely broken.
1: Do the, and- Se- do the Seahawks have a better chance of getting a top three pick? Now everyone just to keep everyone out on the loop in the loop. If the Broncos lose at Kansas city to the chiefs and at home against the chargers, the Seahawks will have no worse than the third pick in the draft period. That- and who do the
3: bears play in their remaining games?
1: Uh, Jeff, do you have that handy? I play the
2: lions this week. And I believe the Vikings the final
1: week. Uh, Yes, that is correct. They're at Detroit and home against the Vikings in the final week. Vikings might sit some guys. Yeah, this is a big week for the Vikings because I believe if the Vikings win,
2: they're guaranteed the two seed.
1: Yeah, we will get into all the different scenarios, but my, my first question here is, do the Seahawks have a better chance of getting that top three pick if Russell Wilson plays the final two games, or if Brett Ripon plays the final two games, and 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 Jeff, let's start with you. I gotta go, Russ. The only game they've won in the last seven games was with Brett Ripon, and like Russ
2: is right now is playing at a level that is below an average backup quarterback, and he's turning the ball over. He's not doing anything, and Rippen, like in the two games he started, I think they were kind of functional. And I think if Russ plays that Arizona game, they probably lose that game too. And the way Russ played, yeah, against the Rams and the Rams played on national TV the week before. It's not like this game was. They were awful against the Packers on Monday Night Football. Awful, unwatchable. So I gotta go with Rippen. Like I think Rippen has a better shot of winning right now than they do with Russ. Which to me is like the craziest thing. Maybe that's ever happened in football.
1: Where are you, Evan? Like, are you like rooting for Russ to finish, play these last two games because you think that's better for the Seahawks? Or are you rooting for them to like sit him and, and Brett Ripon to come in?
3: Yeah. So I'm definitely rooting for Russell to finish the season because he's playing like the worst quarterback in the NFL. And that's a generous statement right now. Um, but I, you know, I, I think I communicated this in our group chat today. I, I'm worried that firing Nathaniel Hackett may cause an interim spark here for the Broncos, yeah. and they might steal a game. We we saw this with the Colts uh, this year, where their head coach got fired, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're winning games they probably shouldn't be. They beat the Chiefs, if you remember. Like any given Sunday, wild shit can happen, and. All I'm saying is yes I know the Chiefs are are competing for the one seed but crazier stuff has happened. I would not, you know, discount the Broncos in their final two games. I'm not celebrating until they lose those two, you know, the clock hits 0 um I, but I'm guys, I'm I'm pretty stoked if if this ends up being a top 3 pick. Like number 2 would be nice but n- number 3 is Pretty equivalent. It's just as good. Um, and uh I, this is just a dream outcome for the Seahawks one season in. So
1: this is huge, and everyone's like, oh well, we're not talking about the Seahawks. This is the biggest thing about the Seahawks. If you care about the Seahawks, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten has to do with the draft next year. That is the only thing that really matters the rest of this year. If you're a Seahawks fan is what happens with their draft picks because they need a lot of talent. They need this draft to be great. And frankly, you know, the higher they go, the more chances, the more control they'll have over who they pick. And we're going to talk a little bit about draft because I spent a bunch of time going through it. It's super early still, but defensive tackle is a massive position to need for the Seahawks. And it is not a deep, defensive tackle pool. There's a few, but it's a massive drop off. And so like people are like, Oh, if we don't get Jalen Carter, we'll get Willie Anderson. I think that's a big freaking deal. I think it's a, could be a franchise altering deal. If you get Will Anderson instead of Jalen Carter, not because Will Anderson's bad, but because I don't know that they're going to have other options that really can make a massive difference on the interior. So like it, it's just tough.
3: Can I ask a question? A controversial yeah. question. The Seahawks play the New York Jets at home at one o five p.m. on Sunday. Yes. Are you rooting for the Seahawks to win that game?
1: And Always. You are? Always. I, 100%. I, so here's the thing. Like, I was rooting for them to win against the Chiefs for sure, but I didn't think they were going to win. And when they lost, I was like, okay like you know like this how they're that the 12th pick in the draft i love seeing that
3: just just knowing who we are though and what the season has been and really knowing what our ceiling is in the playoffs which is not great even if we somehow slid in there you really wouldn't prefer a couple losses just to move Dude, up a couple notches
1: you've seen me at football games you think <laughs> I, you think i'm accessing that part of my brain during a football game I just want the Seahawks to to win always.
3: Somebody makes a good point in the chat. Jets fans are absolute. I almost just said a really bad word, but they are they are annoying as hell. <laughs> so I, I will get I will give uh, uh, Jordan Brooks in the chat that that credit. Jets fans yeah. are obnoxious.
1: I mean, yeah. So I mean, Jeff, what about you?
2: Uh, I'm gonna be probably rooting for the Jets. I kind of like this Jets team uh, <laughs> other than Zach Wilson. They got a couple of guys, they got Dwayne Brown and they got DJ Reed, some of my favorite guys from the last couple of years. And
1: Wait a second. You guys are really gonna be in the game and you're gonna be I'm cheering gonna when it. things go wrong for the CX. Like you're gonna be I'm cheering not- for the Jets when no, they get a no. be I'm be cheering for
2: the Jets. But
1: listen, like I
2: don't see any value in this team like sliding into the last spot in the playoffs and then playing San Francisco and getting boat raised. I want that twelfth pick to keep getting higher. I think that's way more valuable than any game. I'm not going to be sitting there like cheering for the Seahawks to lose. But
3: would you get? Would you rather get our asses bent over in the playoff? You know, wild card playoff weekend, or yeah. get like a pick, like three picks higher in the first round with our own first round pick?
2: They're they're already up to twelve now. They can get inside the top ten.
3: <laughs> the answer is very clear to me. I'm just letting you know that.
1: So. I mean, there was a point not that long ago, first year for the Seahawks, where there was people debating whether it was better for the Seahawks to get in the playoffs or not, with Charlie Whitehurst finishing the final game of the season, and they made it in, and we got Beastquake out of that, and they beat the the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Saints, uh, in that game. Would I trade a couple picks higher for Beastquake never happening? No. I wouldn't. So look, I am always, always, always going to cheer for, uh, for the Seahawks to win. Do I, do I believe the best thing for this franchise is for them to get as high a pick as possible? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good consolation for sure.
3: I I guess the way I would frame it is I'm, I'm cheering for what I feel like would is the more successful outcome long-term beyond this season.
0: Yeah. Be, I
1: mean, like, literally like you're, you're like feeling good in your heart when you see the Seahawks screw up in the game. Like, I can't believe that's true. Like you're like, Normally yeah, no. Brian, but this team has been so like joy, like the way they've sucked the
2: joy out of the last like six weeks of the season. Like I almost have no emotional attachment to this team right now.
3: I don't know. I, 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 I just, I'm thinking I, long-term with this team. Like this season's yeah. a wash to me.
1: Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I had gotten, so so, Evan, we were going to talk about this before because we were uh, texting about this. I had entered this season with super low expectations, like just wanted to see players develop, like whatever. And you would ask me, like, you're like, I don't understand how you got so hyped about this team. Mm -hmm. Like, this is something you asked today. Like, uh, I can't remember exactly how you put it, but I guess. I spent a lot of the middle of the season with Nathan and Jeff and Dane. I am mean, like, is this, is this front seven? Is this really the number one defense in the NFL? Like, is this really possible? I, like, I was incredulous is how I would describe. I couldn't believe what I was. I was loving it. But I don't know if I ever really believed it. Every single week, I was like, there is no way. This doesn't make sense. But I was loving it. And then that Vikings. Sorry, not the Vikings. The Cardinals game. The second Cardinals game. When they came back in Arizona and got to six and three, I was like, oh, shit. Like, they've got Tampa. They've got an easy schedule coming up. They could get to 10 and three. Like, they should get to 10 and three against this before they get to the, the 49ers uh-huh. game.
3: Uh-huh.
1: And they did it. They want, They beat the Cardinals. And then that Tampa game eviscerated me. Like I was done after that game and, and it's been downhill since. So I don't know like that. It sounds like you just never, you never got swept up in it at all.
3: I guess I've I've just been so demoralized by the defense over the past five years with inconsistent results from them that it's just hard to buy into the talent they have and whatever new scheme they're doing. It's just, Guys, this is like the fourth year in a row of us starting with like what with what is somehow the worst defense in NFL history, and then we turn it around for a few weeks and maybe a sustained stretch, and they just don't. It's not consistent. Like if you're inconsistent, you're bad, and they're very bad. And I, I just have no. Re- yes, there's a ton of draft capital for us to feel hopeful in the future. Draft capital we've never had before because of this Russell Wilson trade, but I just don't. This team doesn't. It doesn't. I hate using this word, but they don't have these like alpha dogs, like these alpha football yeah. players that we loved from like the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch, like early Russell Wilson days. We don't have players like that. Name. I think I can't. I don't even know if I can name one player on our team that has that like alpha dog mentality. That like another team comes to play them on a Sunday and is deeply afraid of you know, crossing that player on the field. Can you name a single player?
1: I don't think that player exists. I mean... Like,
3: we're fucking weak. Like, teams are not scared of us. Yes. Teams are not scared of the Pete Carroll football team. We're bad. We suck dick. It's just the reality. Like, let's stop with this fake, like, (laughs) illusionary, oh, they're turning around for a couple of weeks. Name one fucking player on their defensive line that would be starting on any other fucking team. Name one.
2: There, there isn't. (laughs) There isn't.
3: Like, let's take off the Homer blinders for a second.
2: No, I I think the difference, though, is what happened in that October was the rookies were driving a lot of it, and it seemed real. And I was sort of with Brian, where I was skeptical about. We talked, me and Brian, been talking about the front seven and the drafts, and but Evan, you're definitely right. That that uh, stretch in October. Seem legitimate because of it was Cross and it was Lucas and it was Walker and Tariq Woolen And once those guys started to hit the wall, the wheels just came off because the rest of the team is exactly what you said, Evan. Garbage. Like we can't you can't just escape years of bad drafts with one good draft. And that's what happened. The after the truth comes in bats you, and you all of a sudden when you waste first-round picks on LJ Collier and Last year, D. Eskridge, and, like, that's what your team looks like. And one of the most frustrating things about this whole regime is it's clear, like, you look at Carolina or something, a team like that, where they've had all these injuries and they've had a coach change, and it's clear how Pete wants to play. And they built a team that can't do that at all. Their best two players are wide receivers. Their highest two paid players are safeties. Like, they're soft. They don't have guys in the front seven. They're weak in the interior offensive line. It's a real frustrating disconnect that they're still recovering from. And that's why this draft has been my focus for so long because they can really change it quick with two drafts. But, yeah, what Evan said is absolutely true.
3: There's just like right, not a single part of this team, and I'll, I'll finish up real quick. Yeah, before. go ahead. There's not a single part of this team that is so exceptionally dominant that I know on any given Sunday they're going to dominate. And dominance no. wins no. Super Bowls and they don't have it.
1: That is really I think it's one of the best points you've made in a long time, not just because you haven't been on for a while, but but uh on the show. I that's it in the in a nutshell to me. This is this is a weak team. It is a weak team that gets pushed around week in and week out. And one of the things that I, I think we don't talk about enough, like the defense, come on. It is a it is a dead horse at this point I'm happy to keep hitting it because it's just so freaking awful to watch but they're not the only part of the story the offensive line was playing really well to start the year Gino and the offensive line together were playing really well there weren't a lot of sacks there was like a lot of efficiency in how they were playing the pass protection was solid they played against New Orleans, who you can laugh at, but like Cam Jordan's a legit pass rusher, and Marcus Davenport, and they had interior guys, and they played well in that game, and they also were blocking, like they were for for, for Kenneth Walker and initially for Rashad Penny, who, by the way, I think Rashad Penny's injury is underrated and its impact on this team. I think Rashad Penny, like as great as Kenneth Walker was at Kenneth Walker's peak before he had this slide. Rashad Penny was still gaining a full yard per carry more than Kenneth Walker. He's just a different type of player when he's on the field, like like it or not, for people that are, are, are Rashad Penny haters. But the off point is the offensive line has fallen off a cliff, especially the inside. I think the tackles have regressed, but I think the interior offensive line is probably one of the worst interior offensive lines in football over the last six weeks. Am I wrong?
3: And that's not good because they, they have legit resources allocated there. Like Gabe Jackson is not, you know, like Damian Lewis. Those are, those are not, you know, poor, poor, uh, those are not lowly draft and, you know, money resources.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jeff, like that's, that's gotta be one of the big, like, we could go on. It's the interior offensive line. Safety. Quandre Diggs has been ass. I thought he yeah. played better against Kansas City. I think he came in because I think he knew that he showed up the wrong way. I think the team paid Quandre Diggs what they did last year because they knew they were moving on from Bobby Wagner and from Russ and thought Quandre and Jamal would be the leaders of this team. Jamal gets hurt the first week, and Quandre has been anything but a leader this year. Jordan Brooks, another possible leader. He's shit the bed for the most part. Like, Cody Barton's a disaster. I don't care what anyone... Like, I have respect for folks that watch all the film. I see Cody Barton every single week missing tackles on big plays. I see him trailing players. I see him getting blocked up repeatedly. Great and even good players don't have that happen every week. We should not be sitting here arguing about Cody Barton, who at his best... Will be a rotational backup player. The I, like the roster's thin, dude. It's that's yeah,
2: that's reality, and it's kind of sad we're now at the point where like the Seahawks don't give up thirty points to the Chiefs, and we're like, oh, the defense played great. It was like, should the bar be a little higher? It's pathetic.
3: I'm but, still embarrassed yeah. by that Panthers game, by the way.
1: Oh, that was that was. I the mean, worst take game. your pick. Falcons, I mean, Panthers, Raiders.
3: Raiders, fucking Josh Jacobs having like 600 yards on us.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Like they line played line. the Chiefs. They played the Chiefs and the 49ers, two powerhouse teams, better than they played those other teams, right?
3: It's the inconsistency. That's oh, yeah. what. But bothers that's the me thing so is,
1: much. and the thing is, their defense
2: played okay in the last two games. Like Brian said, now their offensive line, especially in the interior, has made the offense like unplayable. And the first half of that Chiefs game last week, like they couldn't run a play without like instant pressure or like Gino running around for his life. And there was just no chance. Shane Waldron wasn't helping matters either, but like the way they've handled the center position and the, the guard play is just like Bill Haynes and Gabe Jackson have been especially bad recently. And Damian Lewis had a pretty good month uh, last month, but he started to fizzle a little bit too. I think he graded not too terribly, but you can't just run, like, the basic level of an offense. We've seen what happens to Geno. Like, I don't think is the kind of quarterback you can just throw in And if everything else isn't working. When everything's not working, Geno's a bad quarterback, and that's what's happened to the Seahawks. And now that the offensive line, Geno needs a lot of the other things working to succeed. That's, I think, what we've learned. But, man, if you suck on the offensive line, suck on the defensive line, you're just exactly what you two said before. You're a shit football team.
1: Evan, you've been in and out about the quarterback situation and we don't have to go deep on this, but like this is part of why I am so against them drafting a quarterback first. Like this team will not get tougher. This team will not cease to be pushed around by getting a quarterback first next year. And I don't th- I think you're setting up even if that quarterback's good, I think you're setting up that player to suffer through absolute shit by not prioritizing defensive line, offensive line. Like that has got to be what you do to make this team credible again.
3: So let me push back on that. Yeah. They have, they have, what is it? Four picks in the top 40, 50. 50? Yeah. So, okay. So if they don't, if you, if they take a quarterback at three, let's say it's three, they stick and pick and they go you know, trenches the next three picks. How does that make you feel? Genuinely asking.
1: Not good, dude. Really? No. Because
3: because here here here's the one asterisk. And I can't believe I'm about to defend John Schneider and Pete Carroll, but here I am. Okay. I I I, I trust them more evaluating the quarterback position than I do other positions. Why? they had the rumored interest in Josh Allen pre-draft, okay? They they were all about Patrick Mahomes pre-draft as well. Uh-huh. They obviously made Russell Let me take that back. They had success with Russell Wilson. They obviously, you know, have had success with Geno Smith, somebody who we thought was, you know, no nothing better than a backup. I think if if they if they have a guy at the quarterback position in the draft that they are absolutely head over heels in love with, I'm okay with them. I'm okay with them pulling the trigger on it. I really am.
1: I think that is catastrophically bad. It, it could that.
3: end that way. It
1: because could end that way. Jeff. I mean, look, here's the thing. If they swing and they hit a quarterback, that's good. I mean, it's really good. Um, they have massive holes to fill elsewhere. It'd be really hard to do. If they swing and they miss at quarterback with the top pick, the top pick I feel like this franchise is screwed for the next five years minimum. Now, if, if, they sw- if they swing and miss, it's like I think good. if you look at the defensive tackle, though, I think you got to like – the error bars are just narrower on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like. Go ahead.
2: Well, I see what you're saying. And I guess the counter to what you're saying is if they swing and they take that pick and they miss, aren't they going to just end up with the higher picks the next couple of years? Like, aren't they going to end up in situations to draft? Like, because they don't have the base of talent where they're going to be a good team. So I guess that, like, say you blow this pick, there's a chance they're picking two or three next year. So. I, I, I agree with you for the most part, Brian, I would, I think you need to just build the trenches of this team because I think you're kind of mistiming, but it's hard to like, not to watch Trevor Lawrence. I know they're not going to get a Trevor Lawrence and be like, how the fuck are we going to win without one of those guys? But I'll converse it Brock Purdy. And you saw Pete talk about it on the radio this week and you kind of seen it around the league that You need a, a complete team. You need like the pieces in place and you need the, the parts working together. And just to put a quarterback in there, like, Justin Herbert just made the playoffs for the first time in three years. Yes. You need everything. Yeah. Like you see, it, San Francisco is probably Pete's dream roster, even though he built a team with receivers and safeties, but you see well, they've been able to put in Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been shit. They were in the NFC championship and you see all those contributing parts. I think that's what they need to build. I think that's what they need to try to build because I don't think Pete's the kind of guy who's going to win on the quarterback centric team. If they have a different head coach, I'm probably thinking a little differently, but I want to see them build the proper, all th- things come together. That's that's where they need to do this thing.
3: There's all this argument about if they end up at three, who they're going to pick. We all know they're going to trade back, right?
1: No way!
3: They are going to trade back, I swear to God. He's going to He's going to slide back to like eight or nine, <laughs> and he's going to net like back. a first and a second or something like that. I've I, I talked myself into this happening. I'm actually expecting it.
1: It is. It. Is possible, but I think that's more likely if they get like the second or maybe the first pick. John third pick.
3: John Schneider is literally going to bed every single night and struggling to sleep because he's getting so aroused at the thought of potential <laughs> trade offers sliding back just a few picks and netting that stuff. No, you can't I'm, tell me that's wrong.
1: No, you're 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 not wrong. But here's the thing, Evan. Let's say like Jeff's right and the the Seahawks. Let's say they they end up with the 12th pick. Sure. OK, so three and 12. I'm telling you that they could trade back into the mid to late 20s and pick up a bunch. They could trade back multiple times from that second pick, um, that second first round pick, I should say, and stock up even more because I think there is a ton of depth in terms of edge players in this draft. I think you can get quality edge players into the second maybe even to the third round i think there's going to be quality like center for sure something could probably get in the second or third round i think that uh just because it doesn't get prioritized as much in the league um they they trade back last year i
2: don't think they they traded back because that was last year was the year of the best draft capital in a a decade and
1: i don't think they really traded back until like the fifth round or something they didn't they didn't yeah, that was a very rare year. But I, I think I think it would be surprising a little bit more if they trade back from the first of their, well, it's gonna, their...
2: Yeah, it's gonna get interesting because there are people out there who like think Seahawks absolutely need to trade who need to draft the quarterback. They're some of the more yeah. analytically focused people. Once the NFL starts digging into like Will Levis and Bryce Young, like they might be in a situation where say Levis goes first and Carter goes second, and then they're like if Bryce Young
1: or Will Anderson or something there? They're going to be in a really interesting spot. So, like, I, I'm not like 100 percent opposed to it for what it's worth. Like, yeah, I, I just, I guess Evan. Last thing I'll say on this, then we should take some patron questions. Is uh, my question is like Jeff brought up this great point. Do you want the 49ers style build where you're trying to go after a a Super Bowl and you basically fit in a quarterback? Do you want a Jaguar style where you basically start with the quarterback or a charger style where you basically start with a quarterback? And I don't know, man. I look at those rosters, I, like the old, the, the 2013 Seahawks certainly started with every other position, but quarterback essentially. I think if you wanna have a dominant roster, like I think you gotta prioritize other positions first, unless you think that they're a quarterback away from from winning.
3: I'm for whatever scenario it gets us to a Super Bowl as soon as possible. Yeah. Okay. And, Amen. and, 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 and th- this is the reality. If, if they don't have a quarterback prospect, like I said, I trust them in this area. If they don't have a quarterback prospect that they're not head over heels in love with. Yeah. Build the rest of the roster. I'm totally okay with that. Um, I'm not going to die if they don't take a quarterback at three.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm very mess- invested in this draft. Like, massively invested in this draft as i'm sure all seahawks fans are maybe not as much because other fans are still paying attention to the season we are 40 minutes in this podcast we've spent about three seconds on the jets <laughs> uh i don't know if we're even going to talk about the jets but here we go uh we're going to take some patron questions i'm going to throw these to evan and and jeff i'll take a few as well and you can be the one asking these questions if you go to patreon.com slash hawk sign up get immediate access to the slack channel I'm telling you, hundreds of folks there. That's where a lot of folks, Nathan, Evan, Dana, myself, are there. Not as much on Twitter lately. So it's a great place to be. A lot of really good, friendly folks having nice conversations about Seahawks and other stuff related to Seattle sports. So um, go over there, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Uh, Also, give the show a like. Click subscribe. We'd love to keep growing the show that way. All right. Jeff, you're going to get the first question. This one is from Braxton, who provides all sorts of wonderful updates uh, in the Slack channel, I will tell you. His question for you is, has Iguobuike earned a roster spot next season, assuming he continues his great kick returning? Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
2: He's the best player right now. Um, I was joking with the YouTube 2 guys on the Sunday that or Saturday, that the only, I was cheering for the Chiefs to score. Just so we can watch his kick returns again. So I was drinking. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, like they have, they've been putting so many shitty returners over the years, DJ Dallas and guys who, like their their return game has been so bad in the last few years. So this guy has been like been awesome at it. Yeah, I think he's definitely worthy of a roster spot.
1: I've missed having a good returner. It's been fun to watch him. All right, uh, Evan, this one's for you, and it comes from Troy Fagan. Choose a Seahawk any Seahawk current Seahawk and come up with a new year's resolution for them.
3: <laughs> a new year's resolution for them. This is a really hard question. Um,
1: do you want me to take another question while you think about it? Yeah, this?
3: That, that's like, that's like, I gotta think. I, I, I
1: want to hear a good answer for this. So take, okay. take a second. I'll, I'll answer one. Okay. You think about that. Okay. Marco asks, um assuming we don't get a top three pick and carter jalen carter willie anderson and bryce young are not available when it's our turn what do you do with that first round one pick do you pick someone like Brisset or murphy uh that's that's uh uh miles murphy or trade back um it depends on what's offered I certainly would be more open to trading back, but I would only trade back a few picks. Probably. I think if you can get a first round pick the next year, especially from a team that is likely to be in the top 10 again, I'm much more likely to trade back from that pick. Um, I do. I think Murphy's an interesting guy. I think, uh, Brise, although I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but, uh, Brise, Brise, whatever it is. um, There was some question about whether he was going to return to school. I don't know if that's been finalized or if he's declared officially yet, but uh, he's a really interesting interior player. So that's why I
3: I have a, my new year's resolution answer. All right, cool. Hit us. (sighs) I'd like uh, Cody Barton to learn how to tackle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a, I, I don't like that one because I don't want Cody Barton to play like, he, he can learn how to tackle on special teams i guess he's good at that
3: i just think it's a core responsibility of his job duties and I think he should try doing
1: it okay all right i I think that's that we'll accept that answer uh Jeff um PCC the third asks does anyone feel that dK has more than lived up to his contract?
2: I think yes. I I think he's – there's still things that leave some to be desired, but of all the things that have gone wrong this year, I think the receivers have been really, really good. And, yeah, DK, there's always more, and you always think that he can just emerge to the next level. We haven't seen it down the field as much this year, but I think just as an overall receiver, his route running has gone a lot better. I think he's winning in a way more consistent way one of the things that we've saw over the last couple of years is just moments where DK would just go cold throughout games where he'd go quarters without touching the ball, half of touch touching the ball. Some of that might have to do with the quarterback now in Denver, but I just think he's more of a complete player, and I think the receivers have been a really, if we're going to say one good part of this team this year, I think just Tyler and DK have done a really, really good job with challenging circumstances. And I, Sure, maybe he's not like the ideal $25 million a year player, but I think he's, he has lived up to his contract. I think he's been good this year. And and I think he's getting better and more rounded. And if we can get more protection, I think that deep ball game can get going too. I think,
1: I think, I think the offensive line playing better makes DK better. And as much pressure as Gino has been dealing with, his ability to really find his receivers has been limited.
3: My favorite play of the season was probably DK capping off that drive against the Rams on Jalen oh, Ramsey. So good. That, we talk about dominance. So good. And we'd like to see it more consistently, but that was peak dominance against the best cornerback in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. All right, Evan, next question for you comes from Jen Maz, one of our most active and passionate patrons. patrons. And we, we love you, Jen. Uh, her question is, do we cut digs post June 1st?
3: I think you got to think about it. And uh, I would. I really would. I, I, I don't think an aging safety who has had serious effort questions come into play this year. Um serious leadership questions come into play. I know this I know this is not gonna be um a well received opinion, by the way, because I know Quandre Dix is like loved among fans, but this has been a really shitty year for him. Uh let's not forget that, you know, as a as an assumed leader of this team in week, whatever, three or four, he came out and openly said, you know, we flat out suck or something verbatim to that. So I, I think uh, when you look at his deal and I'm just pulling it up right now, um, a post June 1st cut, it's, um it's pretty significant. They would save, they would save 14 million.
0: That's yeah.
3: a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And he's going to be 30. I mean, he's, he's, he probably still has years as a productive safety left. It's just a question of whether or not you want to allocate those dollars to that position, and I'm not sure you do. I
1: I, I would go as far as to say I'm disapp- I'll be disappointed if the Seahawks have both Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs on their current contracts on the roster after June 1st. The only thing that tempers me from saying I want both of them gone for sure is it's a pretty thin draft in terms of – of safeties or at least it appears to be. So I'd love two young safeties. I don't want to go spend more free agent money on a safety necessarily. I would love to get some young safeties in there and at least one would be great. All right, Jeff. Uh ignoring that this comes from Brandy, ignoring the cap ramifications for a second, is there anyone anyone on defense other than Tariq Woolen whose status on the team should be secure?
2: Yeah, Chad Nuosu. Mm. Chad has had a good year and I think no matter what scheme you play you'd be in Shelby Harris I think would be the other one I think Shelby's guy you want to keep on the team outside of those guys no that's it
1: yeah I mean even with um, uh, some of the young players that have like Ryan Neal like there's some guys that have played well and you like to keep Kobe Bryant you like to keep him around but None of them are like guys that you have to keep for sure. Um, Evan, this is a good one. All right. This comes from Zach Hassan. Uh, Hypothetically, hypothetically, if the Broncos were to cut Gino, or sorry, to cut Russ, and Gino was a free agent, and let's say he signed with another team, not the Seahawks, would you be interested in bringing Russ back?
3: On a veteran minimum deal, sure.
1: Jeff, I need to know your answer to that one too. No, I'm no,
2: I want nothing to do with this
1: guy.
3: You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't at a veteran minimum deal.
2: No, he sucks. He's the worst player in
3: NFL right now.
2: <laughs> I'd rather, i I'd rather I, give a young guy a contract.
1: I want to. LVP. LVP. Either like camp L- body. Least least valuable player, opposite of MVP, least value for most paid money is gotta be Russell Wilson this year. He is the LVP.
3: It's not even close. There's a possibility. There's
2: no to to Sean is saying, Denver saying in a press conference that they think he's fixable. They think he's fixable. <laughs> the guy they traded three first-round picks for, essentially. Yeah. Uh, like there's no one even in this conversation other than for least valuable
3: player.
0: Uh, I I
3: do I do think Deshaun Watson is a is a notable mention though. He yeah, played really poorly yeah. this year.
0: He's, yeah, yeah, I
1: mean the guy's been going. Well, he's been yes. putting people through a lot, and he's been in it with them. So like, let's let's see what he's like next year. But um, sure. Uh, all right. Um, Jeff. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna save this for for. For Evan. Uh, Jeff. Brondi again asks. Um, oh, no. I'm going to skip this one. Let's go to Mark Zuck asks. Uh, the last few weeks have shown some of Gino's limitations. He needs a solid run game to be effective. Some poor decision making, like not running for first downs. Knowing that, there'll be an upper limit on how much Seahawks will be willing to pay Gino for an extension. What do we do if a QB hungry and foolish team like the Colts Saints Panthers pays him crazy money like over $40 million, and we don't draft a QB with our f- top four to five picks in that worst case scenario, or is that worst case scenario?
2: Honestly, no, like, I don't think this team's going to a super bowl in the next couple of years. years. Um, I think if they take the Brian route in the draft, I think it, there are more quarterbacks like Geno that you can get like Jacoby Brissett, Isn't that different than Geno? Mm-hmm. for being honest? Like they played at a very similar level this year um There's guys, Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. I know we I would all suck, but I don't think there's a huge difference in performance between Geno and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it's far more important. I think we saw the height of Geno, we saw the peak of him, which was an MVP level guy when everything else was working. But I think it's just far more important right now to get everything else working again. And I think whether it was a Geno or a Brissette or even a Jimmy G, I think they'd be in a very similar spot, big picture wise. So if someone wants to pay Gino 40 million and they don't franchise him see you, see you later
3: can we can we stay on this topic for a second because yeah. we haven't I remember we had this kind of similar conversation like 6 weeks ago when yeah. they were 6 and 3 and I remember I think I said at the time I was like comfortable up to 35 million a year. So my answer has changed obviously over the past 6 weeks. What is the max just getting a status check with both of you what is the max number a, you know average per year that you would be comfortable paying Gino in an extension right now.
1: I'm still like 30 million. Okay. So yours
3: so you you would do like 260 or like 390?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm basically looking to give him a deal that averages less than the franchise, like the uh non-exclusive franchise or the transition tag by making it a multi-year deal and having the guaranteed money be less than than the average per year of if you was transition tagged or something like that. So that'd be like t- high twenties, low thirties would be what I'd be thinking.
3: Jeff.
2: Yeah. I'm somewhere about 30 to 32, 33. I think the best case scenario of the one year deal on the non-exclusive franchise tag. Um, I, it's a three year deal where you can get out after two. I'm okay with that. But, yeah, I think I think Gino, we've seen the height of him and we've seen the bottom of him. And I think he is a solid quarterback when things are working, but Kirk Cousins has kind of been like that. And Derek Carr is kind of like that. And I don't know if he has a body of work to do what those guys are, but I think it's somewhere in that range. But like Evan said, the, the price has dropped a lot. Like we were talking like that Tannehill contract. I, I think I would not be comfortable giving him that. And, Tennessee is already at the point where they think they're seeing limitations. So I'm sure. So,
3: so the ninth ranked quarterback in terms of APY is Dak at 40 million a year. Tenth is Kirk cousins at 35. The question is, is Geno going to be asked to be paid like a top 10 quarterback?
1: I'm sure he will.
2: And
3: we're, sure, I, we're th- I, don't, I
1: don't think it really matters what Gino asks. I think the real question is whether the Seahawks are willing to let him walk with zero compensation yeah. and with like zero control. And they I think better that not. would be a big mistake. I, well, I think
3: they better not. That's
1: Yeah, I case think scenario. it would be a really bad mistake. So, so, in that case, the you know, they're either going to non exclusive franchise him or they're going to transition tag. Transition tags like not that much less, it's like 28 million versus like 32 for the non exclusive franchise. Yeah one of those two either's fine and and then it's just a matter of whether gino's if they can come to agreement on a multi-year deal and if they don't i'm not broken up about it like another year to for him to prove it and they pay him 32 million or whatever like whatever that's fine they can franchise him again next year if they want to
3: i think what i would do if i were seattle is you apply the non-exclusive franchise tag which just so people understand is uh, he can negotiate with other teams, but if he accepts another deal from another team and we don't choose to match it, then basically we get the other team's two first round picks. Okay. And the non-exclusive franchise tag, like Brian said, is about $32.5 million a year. I would non-exclusive franchise tag him and then work to get a deal in the, I'd offer him a little bit more guaranteed, like three years, like 96 million with like 45 to 50 guaranteed. So give him that incentive beyond the full guarantee of the non-exclusive tag and see if he bites at it. Um, but if we start, you know, if we start approaching 40 million a year, I can't, I can't rationalize that guys. I just can't. Uh, well, they
1: uh, wouldn't have to. They wouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to take a few more quick yeah. questions and then and then we're gonna do our our picks and we'll wrap up because uh time is flying I could talk to you guys it's been too long it's been fun um so uh, Evan this one's for you this is from John uh, John hurlbutt one of our one of our sponsors uh altitude homes go check them out uh John's also started picking up golf recently which uh, I'm super encouraging of everybody to do John <laughs> wants to know Evan when does the Jason Myers extension get done?
3: Oh my God. I have not had an opportunity to gloat about this. You motherfuckers. He, he, he proved all the doubters wrong. All the, all the shit I would take for like a year, all the ats I would get in my mentions every time Jason Myers missed, which was infrequent that motherfucker didn't miss for like a year and a half. And now again, he's like, you know, one of the best kickers in the NFL. I I just, I don't even remember the question. Jason Myers is a stud. They need to extend this dude.
1: When does it happen?
3: As soon as possible? Um, I think he's on the last year of his deal, Is't that right?
1: Yeah, I think I don't know.
3: yeah, so he he's making five million this year. Give him uh give him four years twenty two twenty three million
1: okay last last question is for me, and it comes from one of the one of the patrons who is questionable I will just say like I don't usually cast aspersions on patrons but this guy's name is Evan Hill and he asks uh, would I rather the Seahawks pay Jason Myers 15 million per year over three years or four and I refuse to answer that question for the first time I will not answer a patron question but thank you for all the patrons fantastic questions sorry we couldn't get to all of them there were so many so little time and Please, we'll we'll uh, we'll keep chatting. patreoncom slash HawkBlogger. Get instant access to the Slack channel, and we will see you there. All right, we are going to talk briefly about this game this weekend. Uh, we're going to go around, Robin. You guys are going to tell me what's going to happen in this game, and Jeff, we're going to start with you. Uh, what happens in this game, and and what is the final score?
0: Um, I think the Seahawks,
1: uh,
0: they,
2: they saw Chris Jones last week. They saw that win. Now they're playing one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. And the guy that gets compared to our buddy Jalen Carter a lot, Quinn Williams, is coming to Seattle this week. And I think he's going to wreck a lot of our offense. Um, if We don't know if Tyler's going to play. And we're playing one of the best cornerback duos in the league with Sauce and old friend DJ Reed. Um, if Zach Wilson was playing, I actually would have picked Seattle because Zach Wilson is one of the worst players in the league right now and basically tanked a pretty good Jets team season. But with Mike White, they're a pretty well-rounded team. They're they're good at a lot of they're basically where we want, they're basically what the Seahawks could be next year. We're basically a year behind them. They got the two picks last year that became Jamal Adam from Jamal Adams. They got a fourth overall last year with Sauce. And 10th overall with Garrett Wilson, and their team's taken off. That's kind of what we're hoping the Seahawks can do next year. So they're a year ahead of us. I think with my white back, they're just a much more complete team. They're going to beat us 27-16.
1: to All right. Evan.
3: Evan. Yeah, I think Seattle's offensive line is going to uh, continue to struggle against this Jets defensive line. I think they're going to get a lot of pressure on Geno. I think Sauce is going to take away one side of the field as he does um, either DK or Lockett if Lockett returns this week. Um, I know Jets just came off a humiliating loss. I think they're maybe not humiliating, but a pretty bad loss to the Jags. And, you know, I think they're on a four game losing streak where it was we're on a third, you know, uh, three game losing streak. You know, the two teams actually have kind of a similar um, story to the season. They actually both kind you know, they both started hot, six and three. I think Jets were seven and three at one point, um, down the stretch. But but I think uh I think the Jets win this game. I think they get a spark with um with Mike White and Zach Wilson is obviously a disaster. So I think they win this game. I'm going twenty-eight to twenty-one.
1: Yeah, look, I can't sit here and spend an hour talking about how the Seahawks are just Pushovers and uh, like the only thing I will say about that in the Seahawks defense is they did show spine the last two weeks on defense they did like given their abilities they showed up and they 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 put themselves in harm's way and tried to limit opposing offenses and I respect that I do respect the effort and the intention and the pride associated with that I don't respect the talent and I just. I'm pretty disgusted by this team in general. Like I'm like just very frustrated by watching a team that, that cannot oppose their will on anybody. And I think going against Jeff put it well, going against a team that has interior pass rush that has two great cornerbacks that will limit receivers. We don't, I don't know that Tyler Lockett's going to play, you know, Treadwell is not a decent receiver. Like they don't have, like, I think that's one of the things, we didn't talk much about, but it was very clear that Gino just didn't have many targets last week to throw to. Like it, it, it was it, this team needs another receiver. They haven't been able to find one. Marquise Goodwin is playing hurt; he didn't seem the same. Kenneth Walker ran for 100 yards, which is great to see. That was the the probably most positive thing out of that week, and. I hope Abe Lucas doesn't play this week. They had some injury concerns about him. I do not want him to get hurt and be gone in surgery or rehab for the I hope they sit him. So yeah. I I, I think the Jets win this game. I think that they win. Uh I don't think they're gonna score that much, but let's say like 23 to 13. Uh Jets will win. And I want to thank uh, Jen Maz for her con- contribution in Super Chat. Really appreciate that, Jen. And also, uh, uh, thank you for uh, I think it's Gangrene David, a Jets fan who also contributed in Super Chat. Appreciate that, dude. He said good luck in the game, to, and uh, he's a big Jets fan. So, all right, folks. Now's the time. Click the like if you haven't already. Click subscribe and head on over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign right up. Get into this this channel. We will likely have a post-game show after the Jets game. depends a little bit on hosting, but I I think even if Nathan can't, I should be able to do it. Couldn't do it this past week, but we'll do my best to make sure we do it this week. I want to thank Evan Hill. It was great to see you, my friend. Good having you back. Good catching up. Likewise. And Simmons in Florida. Good to see you. Please enjoy whatever frosty beverage you're now going to go drink. And boys, we will talk more. All right. Take care. Thanks, everybody. And uh, happy holidays. Go, Hawks.